0: Uh, Let's turn to another psalm. Let's turn to Psalm 27. And uh, we're coming to the last in our series on deep calls out or deep cries out to deep. And I want us to read Psalm 27, uh, page 557, if you've got a pew Bible in front of you. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call out, O Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me, lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Uh, We come to our final message in this series on spiritual formation, deep calls to deep. And I've called this message, Putting It All Together, as we take all the teaching of the past six weeks and seek to draw the threads of it together uh, to go forward. We've looked over the past four weeks at themes of intentionality. You've got to want to grow spiritually, or you're not going anywhere. The theme of surrender, of surrendering our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And and in fact, that's one of the things that in Sligo, the Lord was speaking to me. You know, Norman, you've got to surrender to me. Uh, I know best, got to surrender. Thirdly, encounter, and in that surrender, there is encounter, encounters with uh, with the Holy Spirit, an ongoing walking with the Spirit. And that leads us to the place of obedience. Just do it. And if you want to, read further on these. Rowan and I have been using and reading this book, Metamorphosis by Matt Hatch. And if you want to read further into this, and it's, we've mentioned it on the little card with the, uh, the Lent readings, if you want to go deeper, uh, this is a good book to read. Lo- lots more on this. Uh, and then last week, Rowan led us through the theme of discipleship moments and a change cycle uh, that we put on the screen there. When something happens, it's a discipleship moment. It may be something that makes you angry, or it may be something that someone does to you, so you recognize it, you respond to it. It may lead to repentance as you recognize that your reaction has not been what it should be. And so you repent, you renounce the sin, or you renounce that bad habit, or you renounce that false narrative against you that you're holding in your own heart. And then you receive, you receive what God has for you, and you move on in that. So that's the the change cycle. Again, that's from Matt Hatch's book, and I I would encourage you to read that. There's a lot of information. I've given you a lot of information over the last uh, few weeks. There'll be a little bit more information today. And it's so easy, isn't it, to get information overload in our culture today. Yet how much of the information that we consume truly changes us or makes us into better people. As followers of Jesus, our primary desire is to be like Jesus, so we need to filter the information that we receive. So much of the information that we're bombarded with by the world is not helpful for our spiritual growth, and we maybe need to be a bit firmer about what we edit, what we allow into our hearts, what we allow into through the eye gate. And growth is sometimes about filtering out the stuff that is not good for us and taking in the good stuff that changes us and is good for us. The longer I go on as a, as a Christian, the more I recognize the importance of time. Time is so important in this. There are lots of demands in our time. There's the demands of our families, especially if we have a young family. There's the demands of work, and it seems to me that the workplace is demanding and asking more and more of people. There's the demands even of our leisure, and and sometimes that can be a bit overwhelming. It sounds a bit of a paradox, but uh, we're committed to so many things. And there are different seasons in our lives as well when we have to adjust our spiritual routines. But we cannot get away from this. You need to make time time for God, time for God to speak to us. I'm reminded of the story of Susanna Wesley who was the mother of John and Charles Wesley. She was, in a sense, the mother of Methodism. She had 19 children, uh, nine of whom died in infancy, so there was a lot of hurt there, there there's a lot of pain. But 10 children survived. And Susanna Wesley uh, looked after the home, busy home, and she had 10 children. And yet she was able to find time to pray with God, and to read a bit of His Word. And so what she would do is that whenever she wanted to have that quiet time with the Lord, even as the children were all around her, she would put her apron over her head. And whenever whenever the children saw that, they knew that their mom was speaking with God. She would just put the apron over her head for five or ten minutes, and they didn't disturb her because that was the sign that she was communing with the Lord. She had ten children. She was busy, and she still found time to speak to God and to listen to Him. We all have seasons of busyness. There will be days when we might miss, but that should be the exception. Matt Hatch says, Our character is mainly changed over time through patterns, relationships, activities, and disciplines that point to the kingdom. There are small things we can do within our power that, if practiced regularly, Can move us towards a more Christian life. If you want to read more into the Christian disciplines, I'm not going to go into detail on these at all, but one of the best books that I've had uh, over all the years is by Richard Foster, and it's called Celebration of Discipline. It is a Christian classic in terms of the disciplines, and I would encourage you to read it if you wish to go deeper And further into this, in that book, he lists 12 disciplines by which we grow. Meditation, prayer, fasting, study, simplicity, solitude, submission, service, confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. Needless to say, each of these takes time and takes intentionality. You don't do them all at once. But over the course of a year, you might take some of these and really uh, start to experience them and practice them and see how does that change you, how does that form you and mold you and shape you into Christ's likeness Foster says, the disciplines move us into the pathway of God's grace. In themselves, they are nothing, but they put us into the place where He works within us, and He transforms us. Growth is slow. It is incremental. You may remember me saying that if you wish to cultivate a new habit, habit, it takes between 20 and 80 days. So if you're not used to reading the Bible and praying each day, you need to do it for at least between 20 and 80 days before it becomes a good habit. But it makes a difference. And deep calls to deep. Spirit speaks to spirit. And at the end of this sermon, we're just going to do a little practical exercise of meditation just to show you how it works. Now, I'm well aware I've called this series Spiritual Formation for Ordinary People. And although I'm saying to you that you need to carve out time, I am aware that for many of us, time is an issue. But sometimes we need to think through our days and we need to be a bit more ruthless, perhaps, with our time wasting. And as I said before, one of the things that wastes our time more than anything is our phones. How much time do we spend on our phones just scrolling, scrolling through rubbish? And at the end of the day they say, oh, God, that was a busy day. I didn't have a lot of time. But actually, whenever you think it through, you discover you have a lot more time than you think. In all my reading and indeed my, my own experience, there are There are three things that shape us more than anything. And if you forget everything else I say today, there are three environments where we find spiritual formation mainly happens. And every book on spiritual disciplines, whether it's Richard Foster, whether it's Matt Hatch, whether it's, I haven't read it, John Mark Homer has a new book out on practicing the way on on spiritual formation. It's definitely the thing at the minute. But in all these books, it boils down to three things. First of all, to prayer and meditation on God's Word. Secondly, to relationships with other Christians. And thirdly, with how we live out our faith in the world. So there is an individual aspect. It ultimately is between me and God. But it is also about me and my brothers and sisters in a local church And then thirdly, there's the witness aspect of how we live out in the world as we go on mission. Matt Hatch puts it in terms of up, our relationship up with God in the fellowship and then out into the world. Sometimes, and maybe in this series, you have perhaps thought spiritual formation is all about my personal journey with God and what I do in my quiet time. That is a very important part of it but it is only one-third of it. The other two-thirds are our relationships with our Christian brothers and sisters and the world and its impact on us and how we live out in that world. So let me just dwell on those, those two for a moment, the, the relationships with our brothers and sisters and the relationship and our witness and testimony in the world. The New Testament is full of one another commands. Someone has counted them up, something like 59. And we grow a lot as we do one-anothering. And we do the one-anothering in the context of church and in the context of the brothers and sisters that we are related to in terms of the church family. And as a local church gathers, it is a forum, it is an environment for spiritual formation. Although the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is in every believer, whenever the believers come together, there is an increase, there is an intensity of the Holy Spirit's presence. He is more powerfully present. And the movement of the Spirit upon me in power has always been in the context of gathering with other brothers and sisters in Christ, whether inside a church building or outside a church building. But when I have sensed the, the real power of the Holy Spirit has been in the gathering of the saints, for there the Lord commands his blessing. Martin Luther says, At home in my own house, there is no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. Thomas Kelly says, When the people of God meet together, an objective, dynamic presence enfolds us all, nourishes our souls, speaks glad, unutterable comfort to us. And quickens us in depths that had before been slumbering. When we are truly gathered into worship, things occur that could never occur alone. Foster adds such fellowship in worship makes vicarious worship or second hand worship or worship at a distance via the media tasteless and flat. And while there are great benefits in, in online and great benefits in CDs and DVDs and, and, and so on, there is nothing like being in the room. The musical Hamilton has a song and it, hasn't it? I want to be in the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens. This is the room where it happens. Corporate worship is vital, says Matt Hatch. Discipleship at a distance does not work. We need proximity to one another for spiritual growth to happen. So there's me and Jesus in our walk together as individuals, but it's me and the church, it's us together as we walk that spiritual formation takes to another level. And then thirdly, and and finally, the other environment in which we are spiritually formed in is as we go into our world and into the community, as we react to the pressures, the pain, the suffering, the complexities of life. As we testify to our faith, as we are obedient witnesses, as we stand up for justice, as we help the poor, as we look after the vulnerable, these things shape us and mold us. They take us out of ourselves, and they help us to grow in spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is done in the world as we bring the salt and the light of Jesus to bear. This is why people grow so much on mission teams. It is a forum for spiritual formation where you start to put what you have learned into practice, where information turns into transformation as you step out in faith, as you step beyond your comfort zone. And as you intentionally give God time, as you surrender to His will, there will be fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. So prayer, these are the three environments. On your own, prayer, meditation with the Lord. Our relationship with others in the church. And then living as witnesses out into the world. When these environments are put together and when we're intentional about wanting to grow, Christ will change us and change our character. What I want to do just as we close in the last five minutes or so is is to put this into practice in a measure with one of the disciplines, which is the discipline of meditation. Uh, Campbell McAlpine defines meditation, and I think I've got it on the screen, as the devotional practice of pondering the words of a verse or verses of scripture with a receptive heart. Now that's important, isn't it? With a receptive heart. Allowing the Holy Spirit to take the written word and apply it as the living word to the inner being. There's a lot in that. You could meditate on that for a while, couldn't you? So what we're going to do is, is try this just as a church together and to to take one verse. We're going to meditate on one verse. If you have your Bibles still open, it's going to be on the screen anyway, but sometimes I find it helpful. Psalm 27, verse 4. So put it on the screen, but if you have it in your Bible as well, there's no harm. So what I'm going to try and do now is, is I want you to imagine that you want to take God's word seriously, you want to take spiritual formation seriously. So imagine tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening or whenever you have made the time. Uh, your your scripture reading is Psalm twenty seven. Now you may have scripture reading notes and they give you information, they give you a devotional thought, and that's all fine. Uh, but what you're trying to do, what you're trying to do, is to get something for yourself. What you're trying to, try to do is to meditate on it for yourself and to see what is the Holy Spirit saying. To you, what has the Holy Spirit got for you in this verse or this psalm? Now, whenever I was reading through Psalm 27, the, the verse that jumped out to me—and it may be because I'm doing this series—but uh, verse four jumped out at me. So, what we're just going to do is just imagine that that's the verse we we focus in on. The Lord has led us to this verse, and we kind of have, have a stop. We sort of we have a pause. So, so what we do is we first of all we pray, Lord. I pray that as I read, as I meditate, as I chew over and ponder this verse, uh, Lord, I pray that for me, uh, and I pray for the, the few hundred of folk gathered here, that each one will find something that you speak to them about this verse. In Jesus' name, Amen. One of the important things to do whenever you're meditating is to try and still your heart. And try and put out of your mind the worries, and each of us have worries and things and stuff that's going on, and just to push that away, and to invite the Holy Spirit to center your heart upon Him, and to ready your heart to receive, and to read and to reread and allow the Holy Spirit to work the passage into your soul, and to engage your spirit with the Lord's Spirit. And one of the important things I find in this process is just time and silence and to read the passage. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. And so the first thing that comes to me is that one thing, the author is David. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord. And the challenge for me as I seek to apply that, I suppose, is to say, well, if, if the Lord was to say to me, what one thing do you want, Norman? What, what's the one thing do you want? I wonder what I would say. Riches, fame, health, better job, spouse, whatever. What comes if the Lord was to say to you, what's the one thing? And just to let that sit on us for a moment. Because David has answered this by saying, this is the one thing I seek. I want to dwell with you, Lord. I want to experience your presence more than anything. Because for David, there was nothing quite like it. He, he, in a sense, was in a love relationship with his Lord. And if you've ever been in love, you just want to be in that person's presence, don't you? You don't even have to say anything. You just want to be with them. And he's in a love relationship. And so that's, that's what he's saying. So I might, in my own heart and in my own quiet time, I, I might say, Lord, I, I'm not there yet. Um, Lord, I want to crave your presence. Lord, help me to desire your presence more, just as King David did. And and so what you're trying to do there is, in the meditation, you're trying to apply it to your heart. To turn it into obedience, or to turn it into some kind of practical change. And then your eyes settle on the phrase, the house of the Lord, and also the word temple. Temple. Now you may know, you may know that uh, David was before the temple was built, as far as he was concerned, the house of the Lord was, was just a tent, or it was a place where the people gathered. And I think that's the sense here. It's not so much a physical house, it could be, but it's more about, I want to be in the place where worship is being offered, and where the people of God are gathered, I want to dwell in that environment. I want to dwell in that context. It is a space where God's people gather, where worship is offered. Psalm 122 in verse 1 says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so we ask ourselves maybe, Lord, how delightful to me is, is gathering with the Lord's people? Is that something that I long for? Father, forgive me if I've gone a few Sundays and I just haven't thought about gathering with my brothers and sisters at church. Lord, give me this desire to be with the Lord's people. Because we've already seen, and with my chat with Willis, we've seen that that's where the Holy Spirit is powerfully present. He's especially present where God's people are gathered commands a blessing. And then you may look at uh, another verse or, or sorry, another phrase, or you may say, gosh, that's enough. Less is more. That's enough to be on with. I need to think about my priorities. I need to think about how important the house of the Lord is to me. And maybe that's enough. But say you have another five or ten minutes, so you might focus on that little phrase, the beauty of the Lord. I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And so you meditate for a while on the Lord's beauty and His kindness and His grace to us in Christ. And you may spend some time in quiet worship, in adoring praise, in beholding Him, in faith, blessing the Lord Jesus. Maybe saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you died on a cross for such as me. And you know what I'm like. You know the bad temper I have. You know the lustful thoughts I have. You know the the impatient spirit I have. But yes, you still love me. And so I'm gazing upon your beauty, and I'm thanking you for all that you are Then at the very end, it talks about seeking or inquiring after the Lord. Some versions, sometimes what you do is maybe look at a different version, read the verse in ESV. It talks about gazing upon the beauty of the Lord to inquire in his temple. Because some of the Hebrew words can sometimes mean one thing or slightly another. So NIV has to seek the Lord, Uh, the ESV has to inquire in his temple. And uh, the message version, uh, the paraphrase of Eugene Peterson says, "I'll study at his feet." But it all means that we want to to say to the Lord, "There's more. There's more. You have more for me. You have more for us." And we need to be in that place of inquiry and searching and pressing in. But we just need to slow down. Do less and find that less is more. So what we've just done is a meditation on one verse. And there's so much there, isn't there? Say yes, Norman. Thank you. There is so much there. That was one verse. And we have given you through Lent, we have given you six passages, one passage a week. And just to sit on it, maybe there'll be one verse in that passage that strikes you and you say, I want to sit on this for a while. Because with so much information bombarding us, it's just good to be still, just to sit and to ponder on the goodness of God. Uh, after uh, Willis and I had, had had our strange experiences of tears and laughter and whatever, uh, the next day I said to Willis, Willis, you know, there's, you know when, when the joy of the Lord is on you, there's nothing else like it. I said, I, I don't know, I've never been in drugs, but I'm sure it's better than drugs. And Willis said... Uh, no, I've talked to people who have been in drugs <laughs> and uh, who have become Christians and they say, there's nothing like the joy of the Lord. Isn't that right with us? There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So I'm just going to leave a moment of silence, a couple of moments of silence before we finish. I'm going to ask you just to ask the Holy Spirit, you personally, Lord, what do you have for me in this verse? What do you have for me in this day? What do I need to change? What do I need to do? So again, in the stillness and in the silence, we pray, come Holy Spirit and reveal something to each one of us.